lot of us are familiar with the anointing, yet I think some of us sometimes aren't fully aware, how do we really steward the anointing? So today I want to talk to you about encounter, fill the room. His anointing filling the room. And I have a story to go along with that. Several years ago, just as I was just getting ready to start first year at school, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministries in Redding, California, like Russell mentioned, I was at church, a Sunday, Sunday service like we have here at Networks, and I had no idea who was coming in. I didn't know who was going to be speaking. And that night, this woman walks up on stage with somebody like kind of guiding her. I'm like, what is this about? Are we going to pray for somebody? And this woman wasn't gifted in the sense of her speaking. She wasn't big name author, preacher, or anything. And that night, something happened in my life, in my spirit, and in, in us as a congregation at that moment. That night, an anointing came because this woman carried an amazing, significant, and powerful testimony. And we talk about testimonies in this church a lot, and they're never to be undermined. This woman was a woman whose name we didn't know. I still don't know. We were asked to not record her, na- her, her message. They weren't going to record her speaking, give her name out, because she was from Iraq, and we were doing that to protect her. I was like, whoa, this is getting kind of serious. <laughs> what is going to happen tonight? And as she started speaking, she was telling us her story. During the Gulf War in that area, uh, she was a Muslim. And I can imagine if you're in that, that time when things were going on, chaos is ensuing throughout your streets and those, that you once saw peaceful to some extent, she was now standing in line to get bread. Uh, you may, you have, may have heard of bread lines. And as she was standing there, all of a sudden gunfire started pouring out over the crowd that was standing in line just to get bread. Can you imagine that? We get the chance, oh, I guess we'll go to Woolies on the way home. That's... I guess we can kind of do that. No, this is something, just so they could get something for the day, some food, a, a you know, portion of something to survive. Gunfire opened up. And now, I'm not super familiar with a lot of Muslim Islam beliefs, but I, I do understand that at some points they are aware that Jesus to them is a, a, a prophet and that, you know, there is a, their God, the Christian God, Without thinking a whole lot, she said, she cried out, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, help! Gunfire stopped, like, immediately. Now, gunfire was coming from, like, jihadists, or I'm not sure, and obviously not very good people. Something happened in her, her life that morning, or that day when that happened, and she later found herself pursuing, Who is this Christian God that has yelled out to you that caused this you know, gunfire to cease. People were dying, and, you know, it was just, just to get bread. As she found Jesus in an underground church, which I imagine maybe Dan can attest to, there's probably underground churches like there are in some areas of high oppression, China, etc. She found Jesus and gave her life, became radically transformed, and found herself in the, in the body, finally, in the, in the community of believers. And as things were progressing, Christianity was building. She found herself in this church, and like probably what would happen in a conflict area, opposition found out, and like, we're going we're gonna to make a stop to this. We're going to put a stop to this. Uh, bombings were ensuing. 
uh, chaos was ensuing, and little did she know that one day while she was in church, this church of hers, this congregation, that there were five bombs placed in the building. Without any knowing or awareness, all of a sudden, four of the bombs go off. As she's running outside of the building, she's running past her friends that she just met, friends that she knew, dead, dismembered, you can imagine the horrific imaging. And she steps outside, and she's standing next to a phone booth, trying to kind of like catch her breath, you can imagine, just kind of like the emotions are, and the confusion. She's like, what is going on? Where is it? What is going on, God? I, this, is, this is wrong. This is crazy. But the fifth bomb didn't go off yet. The fifth bomb, within a few seconds after her standing next to the telephone booth, went off in the telephone booth. And I can't imagine living through something like that and still holding on to your faith. Immediately, and, and I don't remember every single detail, but this is coming from like over seven years ago. I still, her testimony was so real that night. But, and she is automatically, in a sense, in heaven, walking up to Jesus. She says that the love, the compassion, the light was so unsurmountable, it's like overwhelming. She's like, this is so real, this is so good. There's a dialogue that happens, and just to save some time, basically, after meeting and being with Jesus, she's like, okay, I'll go back. She comes back, and thankfully at that time, paramedics and doctors were coming in, taking people you know, to triage and to hospitals, you know, save, trying to save those that were still alive. And thankfully, she was alive. But when she came back, she was in a lot of pain. She had 30-degree 30 30 degree burns over 90% of her body. Part of her skull was peeled back, exposing her brain. And later on, as she was recovering, going through a lot of pain, she's like, God, why, are you, why am I suffering? This is so painful. I can't do this. And I believe she, she mentioned that one night she had a dream, and she was with... Jesus speaking to her in the dream. And this is the awesome part, and this is why I love testimonies. She wakes up the next day completely restored. No burns, over 90% of her body. Her skull healed. And the only thing that she showed that night was just a little scar about the size of my finger on her hairline, signifying that this is my testimony, that I, this is real, that God is real, and he's a healer. And I remember seeing her. She was completely looking normal, like, wow, wow. And so, being part of that, it's like, I'm still, like, I can feel, like, that, that anointing from that moment. And she, st- she stopped out, and at the end, she just started praying. Now, this woman was speaking in broken English. Again, she wasn't gifted in speaking. Uh, she just carried a passion and a fire for God. She experienced him in a profound, supernatural way, creative way. And as she prayed, I remember, I was standing there, like, this is a lot of, a lot of this is new to me. And she was praying, and she extended her hands and was just, you know, releasing that anointing that just was on her from that moment that she's been stewarding and pressing into and growing in. And then she literally, she prayed, she did one of these. And when that happened, when that, her arm came to my direction, I literally felt a physical force. I was like, whoa. Like, it, it created, like, a reverence and, like, a shock. Like, whoa, what was that? Like, I never felt that. Like, there was nothing to be seen. I just felt this force. That night, the anointing filled the room. In the congregation with us, I saw people on the floor under the, the presence of the Holy Spirit shaking uncontrollably. There were people on their knees just like kind of in a, 
a stance of just encountering him. I was sitting in there and kind of like stunned, like what is going on? This is just, I don't know what to do. Just sit here and just let it soak in. That night I was transformed. That night a yoke over my life, I don't even know what exactly, maybe a burden, a yoke broke over me. And that's what I love about God, encountering his presence, is that the anointing oil breaks yokes over our lives. You know, talents can entertain us, but it's the anointing that breaks the yokes, right? Come on. Isaiah 10, 27 says it very clearly, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. What a promise. Thank you, God. I'm so thankful for the anointing. But it's up to you and I to actually steward that, to press into that, to, to nurture that, to pour it out. You know, at Networks Church, we do that really, really well, I believe. Now, we, we value talents, we value giftings, but we value the presence of God so much more. We do. We really do. And I see that in every person that comes in here. Because talents can entertain us, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, that releases the chains of your life, that sets you free, walking free. So how can we actually come into an understanding to actually steward this a little bit more? And I just felt like God wanted to kind of remind us, or if, if not, give you fresh inspiration of what that looks like. So I want you to write this down. Point number one. Keep your eyes on the prize, not the power. Keep your eyes on the prize, not the power. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. When God blesses you with something as a gift and a talent, he, he doesn't take it back. He's not a God that does that which I'm really thankful of. Yet, when you put your eyes on a power rather than a prize, the prize being God working through you, seeing heaven and invade earth, seeing people come to know Jesus, the Great Commission, sometimes we can easily step into valuing the power that comes through it, the, the platform, if you want to say, the, the significance. And there was a young man that I came to learn that actually represented the poor stewarding of this. And his name is Jason Westerfield. Now, I'm not one to want to bash anybody, but this is just an evident thing that somebody walked out in their life and took their eyes off the prize and, and put it onto the power. Jason Westerfield was one of the first Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry students right when they first started, several, almost 20 years ago. He has a gift of evangelism and that healing on his life. And if you ever watch Darren Wilson's films, Finger of God, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit Reborn, all of those. Uh, very, very amazing. Actually, I actually encourage you. They're actually really profound to, to watch those. But he's in the finger of God, and you'll see him operate. He has a gift of evangelism and healing. I watched him walk up by himself on this video, walking up to people, praying for them, talking about the gospel, watching people give their lives to Jesus, random strangers, watching people be healed. And it's just like, wow, this kid is just on fire. I mean, he was out in those streets, out of the, I think, you know, in front of a courthouse, giving testimony and just releasing, just speaking the gospel, like, boldly. Yet later on, did I, little did I know that when my second year of school, something shifted in his perspective. 
And I, what I'm really valued, thankful for, excuse me, is that when leadership steps up and knows to keep their eyes on the prize, not the power, they can help encourage us to value who Christ is, who he, the Word says he is, the correct doctrine, and the anointing. Bill Johnson came up in second year of the Supernatural School of Ministries, and he said, I don't do this at all, and I don't like doing this, but as a father, as an authority, as, as your leader, I encourage you, stay away from Jason Westerfield. That year, I didn't realize he came into Redding, California and hosted a small conference. And some of the students kind of went and found out about this and went into it because they're very hungry. The students that go to the school are super, super hungry for what God is doing, but sometimes don't have their correct shepherding to be careful and understand what to do. A lot of the students come to find out after going through that little meeting were um, demonically oppressed, tormented. Some of them even went to the hospital because of going to this meeting, because of psychiatric, emotional things were going on. They just, the anxiety, there was just like physical manifestations of the demonic realm because they went and listened to you and took in what Jason Westerfield was doing. And I won't go into detail what that is, but he was going into otherworldly things, demonic things, trying to say that it's the gospel and denying Jesus, and it was really, really bad. But I'm so thankful for leaders like Bill and others that know that when it comes to the anointing, when it comes to the, who God is, you can step up and know, actually, I, I'm going to protect you and make you aware of this, that these things aren't right. Because the... You know, see, and what I'm trying to say is the gifting over Jason's life, as bad as he's involved in things, he still has that gift. He can, God won't take that back. It's up to us individually and as a body to actually walk out in, in clarity and, and correct doctrine. It says it clearly in 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 16. It says, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with a laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Sadly, Jason didn't do that. Probably others in this, in this world. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. The anointing fills a room when we keep our eyes on a prize. When we put it on the power what the world would want to do and other philosophical things, whatever it might be, we really, I think we, we lose that. And then we step into our own will. Point two. Write this down. Keep an inward focus, not an outward focus. Keep an inward focus, not an outward focus. Now, I'm not talking about becoming introspective and like I'm just going to like do my own thing. No, what I'm talking about is discernment. I'm talking about building up the well that was, is within you. Our job is to pour out from the well, as well as even being that conduit. You know, Jen Johnson says it really clearly. I happen to catch her say this, like, it's so good when you're on stage or whatever you're doing in life ministering, where that might be. It's great to be a funnel, but how much better and profitable is it to be the well? 
1 John 2.27 says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. See, there's, there's a wellspring of wisdom of, of the anointing, the, the power that Christ is in you. We are the temple, yet we don't want to be mixing water and oil together. And I love the process and the, pro, the, the development of what that looks like. Christine Kane, I don't know if some of you are familiar with her. I happen to, again, just catch a clip from her teaching at Worship U, which is a worship um, university that they do at Bethel, just for worship leaders, etc. And she went into a, a dialogue talking about the dark room. Now, for those of you that have shot 35 millimeter, kind of remember taking the film, and they have to go into a dark room, they got to develop it and expose it to light. And it's a really profound example of what God, I think, does in us. Yet, in today's culture, where you want the instant gratification, we take our cell, our cell phones, iPhones, boom, I got a photo. I don't have to wait for the development. But she was saying, it's in the dark room where we encounter the presence, the crushing. Where we, if we expose to the light too soon, the, the, the end result is faltered. It's unclear. It's ruined. So there's a process that we must value that the inward focus that we must be developing with a father every day to understand what that anointing is that he is pouring out on us. And she says, the only way you get an anointing is by crushing. But if we have a generation that doesn't want to be crushed, but rather paraded, then we will continue to have gifted people and not anointed people. We need a generation that is willing to go into the dark room where the crushing happens and the oil comes. Come on. I think that is something for us as, as a people and as, as not just networks, but as a body in this world. We need to get back to that place of the development room, the dark room. We must be care- become aware that well, actually one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And sometimes it's overlooked. Sometimes we want to say, whoa, what you're doing there? I don't know, brother. That's a little too, woo. Self-control. No, I'm not talking about, like, let's not be just kind of saying those things without actually understanding what the anointing and the power is. Because who knows? That person may have been in the Iraq war, in the breadline, experiencing gunfire, standing by a bomb that just went off. Galatians 5, 23 explains that about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against there is no such law. Talents can fill a room, but it's the anointing that breaks the yokes. Number three, and I'm going to land this ship. Well, land the plane, excuse me. The ship, you can't land a ship, you can dock a ship. <laughs> got to get, yeah, it's got to kind of get it right. Anyways, point number three, keep your focus on the process of the anointing, not the results of the anointing. Keep your focus on the, res- the process of the anointing, not the results. 
I really felt that there was something to come to understand about the crushing process. It doesn't sound so fun. It sounds kind of painful. But, you know, when it comes to making olive oil, I actually watched a video. I'm like, okay, how do they make, traditionally do they make olive oil? And so YouTube, thank you, he has all kinds of options you can look at from organic, free-range, non-GMO olive oil to just traditional Italian olive oil. I'm like, okay, watch that one. I'm going to eat all that weird stuff. And it's really just a simple process of collecting your olives at a certain time. If it's right off the branch, it's called virgin olive oil. It means it's within 24 hours, 12 hours, it's processed into oil. And what they do is they pull the olives off the tree and bring them into this. You know, obviously nowadays it's all me mechanical. And uh, I can imagine back in the day they're shaking the trees or, you know, pulling olives, you know, a lot more manual type labor. Anyways, it comes into this big conveyor belt. They separate out the leaves and the twigs and, and the olives go into a grinding where they have these three massive granite wheels rotating and these little scoops kind of constantly circulating the olives and are crushing and are crushing and are crushing and turning and it comes down and they're like, okay, that's not done yet. Then it comes down into this area where this thing kind of puts out, they put on this kind of woven kind of disc thing and it lays out this, a layer of mush olives. It doesn't look very good. It's just purple goo. And then they stack and they stack it and then all of a sudden they put 20 tons of pressure. And as they do, the press, pressure comes, the oil starts pouring out. And I think that's what Holy Spirit does with us. As we come into understanding the value and, and, and the anointing, the, the, the weightiness of who God is, as we press in, go into the dark room for development, and it's that crushing that releases the oil. And one of the ways that I believe that we actually experience the anointing to have, I think our vats are full and we're pouring it out, is in prayer. Just like the disciples in Acts, where they came together waiting for that, that anointing to fall, the Holy Spirit to come. It says it in Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Can you imagine that, praying, and all of a sudden the places start shaking? I mean, like, whoo! Like, I don't know that when I went to Scotland, or the, the house that shook when they prayed. That's a real thing. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You must pursue prayer, not the platform. Prayer is the crushing milk. Prayer is a time that actually requires something of you. It requires your time. It requires your focus. It requires you to actually put aside other things so you can actually become the come into the Father's presence to become crushed so that he can pour out who he is through you and over you. So... I implore you, even this once a week, come to the crushing mill at 5 a.m. Come to the crushing mill at 5 a.m. It will change. No, I don't want it. That's up to our leadership to agree with that. But I like that. Come to the crushing mill. Let's come to the crushing mill and let's see the God's anointing pour out at 5 a.m. Whatever time it may be in your home, it's such an essential part of who we are is to come to the Father boldly to see him in a loving way, like his, his yoke is light. His burden is easy. As we come into that, the pressure that he will create, it's, it's, I believe it'd be a, it's probably a bit painful at some points because our flesh is in the way. But when we go through that process, there is a pure oil that comes out that is filled with aromas and healing properties and his, his love and his light. That's who we are to be. Because talents can entertain us, but 
It's the anointing oils that break the yoke. So today, you know, I feel it's, it is significant of us as a, as a body, as individuals. If you and even being, have seen in your life, there are just yokes on your life. Thank you, Musos that have not yet been lifted, that there are chains weighing you down over your mind, over your thinking, over your being. Now, tonight, or excuse me, today is your day to see those yokes broken. Today is the day for the anointing that is here for you to walk in fully to come out as who you are as sons and daughters. I encourage you today, if there is something on your life that is not lifted because there is a yoke, if there is just even just a smidge of something that is keeping you walking fully into who Christ is, today is your day to come into the anointing oil to see that broken once and for all. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yokes of our lives. Each one of you here carries a testimony of an encounter who Christ is in you. That is your bloodline story. That is your, your story of God coming through and breaking through in your life. You are not insignificant. I'm thankful that I didn't have to walk through a, a disaster type of situation to see that God is real. But I do cry out, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, help, because I can't do it alone. Because in this church, we are better together. And if there is something in your life today that you want to see lifted, and I encourage you, Let's boldly come to the throne. Because it's the anointing that will loosen the bondages over your mind, over your family. It's the anointing oil that's mixed with aromatic spices that allows you to walk in authority and power and love. And if we could all just close our eyes, I just want to pray over you. Father, I just thank you for this church, and I thank you for the people here in Networks. I thank you for this family, God. Jesus, right now, we just thank you for the anointing, because we want to steward it. We want to keep our eyes on the prize. We want to know and dwell within you, stewarding that in our hearts, God. And we value the process of seeing that oil poured out become evident in our lives, Jesus. So, Father, right now, I just release that testimony and that anointing that happened even years ago, Father God. We just thank you that it is the same today and forever. Over this congregation, yokes and chains are broken today in Jesus' name. There is no more, no need to carry unnecessary weights on our lives and our thinking in our hearts. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh